going beyond the headlines, getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Hey there, just wanted to say hope your drive or your walk or your flight or whatever you're doing right now while you're listening to the podcast is going splendidly. We open up the show today with 240,000 reasons to thank you. Then we get serious with some talk about federal politics. We update you on the story of two abandoned puppies in Calgary. And we get inside the world of esports here in our city with a big event planned for next month. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome. Hope all is well with you and yours as you're getting into the vehicle to head home. Or maybe you're on the flip side of everything and you're heading to work, to which case, glad you're with us, regardless of the situation. What a what a weekend. Uh, I just, it's hard to put into words how a good feeling weekend can set the tone for the next week. And Pledge Day, that was just amazing. And I know the hosts have all talked about it, but I wanted to get my two cents in on it. Thank you, 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 thank you. 240,000 times over. Only because you guys stepped up and in, especially in these tough economic times and all the, I'll call it negativity, but all the difficulty that I think we've been having as a city and as a province and frankly as a country over the last few years it always surprises me that when the table is turned and we know that our fellow, especially the kids, but our fellow Canadians are hurting, you guys step up in enormous ways. And so it was really hard to knock the smile off my face all day Friday, all day Saturday, all day Sunday because of your generosity. And again, I I always go back to, I hope that everybody who was listening in even for a short amount of time on Friday Adopt that thank you economy side of it, which is if you heard a company or if you heard an individual who supported the Calgary Children's Foundation through Pledge Day 2018, if you heard those companies, those organizations, make sure and those who were were helping them, make sure to thank you by supporting them back. Because what ends up happening is you get a little bit of momentum going. And that was the big takeaway. I really... Being able to be right hosting the the event for the first time, it gave me a new perspective on just how giving Calgarians really are and Southern Albertans really are, and gave me that almost feel like being back in the small town where every, you know everybody's trying to help everybody when they're doing harvest and that kind of thing. Same kind of idea, which was really heartfelt. Saturday went off really really well as well. Uh, took some some photos for uh, engagement photos. And went to a rock show on Saturday night. And then Sunday was what's become my second favorite day of the year, which is Teddy Bear Toss Day with the Calgary Hitmen. 29,000 Teddy Bears Plus came streaming from the stands. And the blizzard of fur came crumbling down just, I think it was like four minutes into the game. Kind of anticlimactic. Is what a few people were saying. It's like, okay, well, I just got sat down, just got my first handful of popcorn in my mouth, and boom, there's the goal. But a great crowd on hand at the Dome on Sunday, supporting a great cause. You know, the 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 team 
was out and about giving away some of the the teddy bears to kids at the children's hospital and uh, those things will be uh, distributed over the next few days as well so really hard to walk into a Monday and go oh hard to be negative and yet here I am going to be opening up this show talking about federal federal politics all right now on to the big story one of the things that you won't hear a lot out of me in this show is international relations only because this show is called Calgary today. So I want to talk about issues around Calgary today, but there was a story in the last couple of days that really grabbed my attention. And there is a bit of a Calgary connection given that it was brought up by a Calgary MP in the house of commons today during question period. But this story had a headline on globalnews.ca reading as government prepares response to calls to bring ISIS members to justice, some walk free. I had to do a bit of a double take. And then I started to get mad. And I'll get to my full thoughts on this story in just a second. But I wanted to give you some context first. And here's the story that's up on Global News. The Immigration and Refugee Board has ordered the deportation of a Palestinian man who they say was a danger to the security of Canada. Othman Ayed Hamdan was arrested in B.C. over social media posts that allegedly supported the so-called Islamic State and lone wolf terrorist attacks. He was later acquitted. The board's ruling comes as Canada is trying to decide what to do with Canadians who were part of ISIS. Our auto bureau chief Mercedes Stevenson joins us now. Mercedes, where does the government currently stand on the issue? Robin, a senior government official tells Global News there is no effort underway to repatriate some of Canada's most notorious foreign fighters who came to international attention after Global News found them captured by Kurdish forces and in custody in Syria. Canadians who left their homeland to join ISIS, including a self-declared sniper and the notorious Jihadi Jack, who appeared in numerous ISIS social media posts. They told Global News they wanted to come home and documents revealed that officials with Global Affairs Canada had asked the fighters if they would like to return, setting off a political firestorm in Ottawa and raising questions about why more isn't being done to deal with returning foreign fighters who are rarely charged by the RCMP or imprisoned. So why is the government letting foreign fighters come home? We put that question to Parliamentary Secretary for Public Safety, Karen McCrimmon. Global affairs has their own work to do in, in difficult parts of the world. And I think, uh, I think we can probably expect people to reach out and say, is this possibility there? Uh, but uh, let's make it quite clear. Those people left the safety of Canadian democracy willingly, and they've gone to fight with really a heinous organization on the other side of the world. There has to be consequences for that. And there will be. In a rare moment of unity this week, the opposition and government agreed a national strategy is needed to deal with returning ISIS fighters. Now, not surprisingly, this story garnered some attention in the House of Commons in question period today. Thanks to Calgary Nose Hill MP Michelle Rempel. Today, Global News reported that a man who has been back in Canada for two years and has told reporters that he's been active as an ISIS terrorist has still not been arrested. This Prime Minister has failed to secure Canada's borders so badly that genocidal maniacs feel safe to brag to their friends about our Prime Minister's fecklessness. No unbeliever can touch me, Global reported. He texted his friend. Under this Prime Minister, is he right? The Honourable Minister of Public Safety. 
Mr. Speaker, the uh, police and security agencies of this country uh, are uh, far more proficient at securing the country and keeping Canadians safe than the alleged sources that uh, are referred to by the, uh, by the opposition. The fact of the matter is, CSIS, the RCMP, the other security and police agencies of this country take every possible step to make sure that Canada is secure and the Canadians are safe. There is no higher obligation or priority. Honourable Member for Calgary Nose Hill. Why aren't they doing their jobs? They've had three years to bring these terrorists to justice and instead they've paid for poetry lessons for them. They've tried to assist them in returning back to Canada. They've let them roam free without restriction or constant surveillance. They've introduced legislation that makes it harder for, to bring them to justice and they've allowed them to become so confident that nothing is going to happen to them that they text their friends and say that no unbeliever can touch them. Why? Uh, Mr. Speaker, uh, every single item in that preamble is patently false. The fact of the matter is that it, the fact of the matter is that every possible step is taken in relation to known terrorists to charge them and to prosecute them to the full extent of the law. There is also a full suite of other measures that the Government of Canada uses through the police, through our security agencies, through all of the departments and agencies of the Government of Canada to make sure that Canadians are safe in their homes and their communities and we're doing Now they had to cut him off because he had overdone his time. There's a lot. I, I say this a lot whenever I play raw gambits of the uh, of legislature or House of Commons. Is there's a lot to unwrap there? Clearly, the one thing that I took away from that is uh, Minister Goodale didn't really seem to be taking too kindly to the story itself because he kind of, without actually uttering the words fake news sort of said, hey, this is all fake news and the conservatives are, okay, whatever the case may be. So he's calling into question the reporting being done by Global News. As it happens, he's going to be hosting a news conference, which is expected to be about this whole issue tomorrow. Uh, so, and I believe it's late morning-ish, so you'll probably hear more uh, with Danielle and Rob through the course of the show tomorrow. And uh, if not, I'll tackle it. I have no problem with it. And I know... Like I said, one thing I haven't really dove into since taking over Calgary today is the justice system as a whole. And in particular, things when it comes to terrorism, that kind of thing. I mean, I've only been at it for a few months, so it's not that it hasn't been front and center for me. Here's where I'm a little more conservative than liberal is I feel like we're a little soft on crime. I'm a believer that if you don't want to do the time, then don't do the crime. It seems pretty simple to me at the end of the day. One of the one of the sticking points you're going to hear a lot of out of me during certain points, especially when it comes to uh, impaired driving and that kind of thing, is I still can't believe we don't have vehicular manslaughter in this country. And I know that's a different story for a different day, so I'll move on past that. In this particular case... I feel like you don't do yourself a whole lot of favors in the whole innocent until proven guilty realm when you're posting on social media and texting to your friends admitting to your allegiances. I feel like that doesn't really help you. And the fact that 
it seems as though we're not really being tough with these people irks me to no end. And as that Global News report stated, this is nothing new. This is a a problem that seems to be ongoing for a while. And I'm just trying to find the numbers here because she did, uh, Minister, or pardon me, not Minister Rempel, MP Michelle Rempel did point out few of the roughly 100 extremists who left Canada to fight in Syria and Iraq had returned. 10 of the 19 identified as having returned never actually made it to Syria or Iraq. It's just, it baffles me. It really does. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. One thing I'll never understand is when people go and abandon their puppies, their kittens, their animals. I do have empathy and sympathy for those who feel like they're it's a burden, especially if they've got a couple of dogs and all of a sudden one gets pregnant, and has a couple more. And then all of a sudden you're feeding four mouths instead of two. Or if you've got yourself a dog that resembles a horse, you've got a, you know, an animal that feeds 85. That being said, when I heard the story in the news today about two really young puppies found in a Costco parking lot in the last few weeks, it just gave me a moment to pause. Yeah, pun unintended there. Um, that we seem to forget our, our furry little friends sometimes and... Again, it's just it's surprising given the fact that we have so many different options for places for those animals to be dropped off at. There's no shame in saying, listen, I, I, I can't afford this. Can we find a good owner for them? So Calgary Humane Society hoping someone can identify who might have abandoned those two young puppies. And to dive more into that story, we bring in uh, the Calgary Humane Society's Brad Nichols. Brad, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. You betcha. Thanks for having me. A heartbreaking case of animal abandonment coming to light earlier today. Can you give us some of the particulars on this case? Yeah, on November 30th at about uh, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, a uh, box containing two very young puppies was found behind a vehicle in the parking lot of East Hills Costco. Um, At that point, it was about uh, 10 degrees under zero and, um, you know, not very pleasant for for small puppies that don't have a very uh, thick coat. So these uh, these dogs were fortunately found um, by a good Samaritan who then did turn them into us. actually fairly lucky dogs, um, both being left behind a vehicle that could have been run over and also exposed to those elements for long periods uh, could have had more of an adverse uh, effect on their health. So at this point, uh, we've we've been investigating for the last week or so and uh, have come up pretty fruitless on the surveillance uh, video that we do have access to. So at this point, we're kind of putting it out to the public to see if anybody knows where these pups came from. Any idea on how long they might have been there for? Uh, I mean, the duration of a Costco trip, which can vary uh, quite substantially, so I'd, I'd venture to say probably something in the range of about an hour. Okay. Uh, otherwise, they would have been uh, run over in the parking lot. Um, they're clearly left behind the vehicle of the individual that brought them into us. Any, or it's surprising to me that people would do this, given that there are, they know that there are better options out there. No, there's so 
so many uh, options for people living in, in Calgary, uh, whether it's Calgary Humane Society, other rescues, uh, veterinary clinics. There's there's just too many options to properly um, surrender your animal uh, to do something like this where the animal would be at risk of, of dying. I know this case might be different from others, but anecdotally, uh, what are some of the reasons why animals do get abandoned? Is it just, you know, people don't want to put up with the cost or is there any, are there any, is there anything that you can speak to on that front? I mean, it varies. Uh, our rental market is such that we see quite a few cats get left behind in uh, in suites when people move out. And whether that's a function of uh, no pet housing or just someone who doesn't want to take the responsibility, that I can't really say. Uh, there are some people that abandon animals uh, at vet clinics when they realize they can't uh, afford the, the cost of the, the care that the animal will need. I mean, on a spectrum, that's probably one of the more uh, responsible methods of abandonment. But, you know, something like this is just so brazen, so callous, and so unnecessary mm-hmm. and this is one that could eventually end up in charges i assume yeah i mean the uh the exposure to the uh the cold weather um you know the abandonment itself both are, are offenses under the animal protection act and criminal code so both of the would be on the table uh, for potential charges is this something that surprises you i guess nothing really probably surprises you in in uh in the line of work you're in I always hesitate to say that. I mean, something always takes me by surprise, uh, you know, on a yearly basis. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, we see the best of people and we see the worst of people. And, unfortunately, this, this seems to be on the spectrum of, uh, you know, the worst. It is that time of year where we do get into sort of year in reviews and that kind of thing. And I wanted to just kind of speak briefly a little bit here from the Calgary Humane Society's uh, standpoint here. Is what kind of year has it been for you and your officers? Yeah, it's been a busy one. Um, you know, we're, we're never searching for work. Um, our, our numbers are, are down slightly on the total number of files, but uh, I think that's just a function of people having a better idea of what they can report to us and, and not uh, not reporting things that we can't do much with. So, we're you know, we keep fairly steady. We're on pace to hit about uh, 1,200 files this year, and that can be something as simple as a five-minute education at the doorstep uh, to something that takes hundreds of, of man-hours to investigate and put together a prosecution file. So, you know, we um, we have five peace officers for the city of uh, 1.3 million, and you know, we certainly could could use some more resources, but we do a pretty good job with what we have. Any kinds of trends or any kind of issues that really kind of stand out to you from the past uh, 12 months? You know, things tend to be pretty static as far as the numbers go. Uh, we're, we're always dealing with a lot of abandonments, a lot of medical neglect, uh, you know, the odd uh, abuse concern as well. Um, we, we did have a couple of convictions this year in starvation cases, so those ones are kind of top of mind at this point. But, you know, we're, we're a fairly reactive uh, agency, and so we kind of just go to whatever we need to go to and, and intervene on the animals that need that intervention. How important has been the education aspect of things versus the enforcement part? I know in speaking with you guys in the past, is that's been a bit of a, a focal point for you, but do you feel the education has, has made a, a difference in, in our community? It's crucial. I mean, it's, it's probably 90% of what we do is education. We, uh, we have a charge rate of about 3% of our total investigations, so it's, it's really only the worst of the worst, and it's, it tends to be these ones that you hear about on the news or, or see on the, on the TV that people might have their only exposure to us, but really our, our prime um, objective is to keep animals in their homes, have them treated properly, and then not have to take them in at all. But there are, of course, those situations where we have to intervene and, and seize an animal at least temporarily. And this year, it's been about 500 animals so far that we've had to at least temporarily take out of their homes. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that 3% number always is one that whenever I ask that question, I'm, I'm always, it's not that I'm surprised by it at all, but it's always, it puts it into perspective a little bit more, which I, I appreciate greatly. Uh, Brad, thank you so much for the time as always. Thanks for having me. Brad Nichols at the Calgary Humane Society talking about that case you've been hearing in the news and the year anecdotally as well. And again, that one that one fact that that, he, that stuck out is he said they have a 3% charge rate. So out of all the calls, which he said was around 1,200 by the sounds of it, will be this year, just 3% will result in charges. So they're they're kept busy, but the vast, vast majority of what they deal with is in the realm of education. That being said, this is one of those cases that is not as two puppies were found abandoned in a box and taken in by the Humane Society. We have some photos of the puppies and more on that situation on globalnews.ca as well as 770chqr.ca. You are listening to Calgary Today. Let's have a little bit of fun as we get closer to the end of the show today and talk gaming, competitive gaming. Calgary is a new esports league here. And coming up in about a month's time, a brand new event. To learn more about that, we bring in Calgary Esports League co-founder Tyler Wanick. Tyler, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Thank you, Joe. Some fantastic news for you guys and what you're up to. Uh, you've uh, partnered up with Telespark for a big event. Talk a little bit about what's coming up in January. Uh, so the ambition was that we wanted to start an esports league here in Calgary where all local people would be able to play and compete in various games and have prizes and accolades and things for being the best competitive gamers within the city. Uh, so we wanted to organize something uh, we're very familiar with Telespark. Me and my partner who opened uh, or have created the Esports League, uh, we both actually work there and we know the facility and what it's capable of. So we thought this would be a perfect place to host uh, an, a, ver- a, like a, a very frequent esports event. Uh, so we decided to do it. We talked to them. We worked out a deal. And our first event is on January 15th. It's an exhibition uh, where we'll have all sorts of games going on at the same time. Uh, it's not going to be the normal way we run things, but we'll have just uh, little tournaments from a lot of the different games we hope to have uh, frequent events in. And then from there, we're hoping every single week we have it in the books for every single week to run a tournament in maybe like one or two different games and rotate through games as the months go on. Very cool. What I envision, and I mean, I'm thinking way back to almost like N64 days, but I do remember there, I think it was in New York, they had this big event where it was almost like a tournament for uh, a Madden game of some kind. And they had massive crowds there watching a big screen as two competitors. And maybe even they had, uh, I think they even had doubles at that point too. Is this sort of the same, along the same kind of vein where you're going to have a crowd sort of watching over uh, teams? battling it out over the different games well esports is definitely a spectator event so we have it set up uh for spectators we have a stage uh we have uh many projectors going on where people can watch uh the competition uh and we're also going to be streaming the whole event live on twitch and uh we have our broadcasting team set up to do that so 
Very cool. I'm wondering what the status of esports is in Calgary. Like, do you have any idea how many people are are logging on to Twitch and and, and platforms like that? Uh, any idea how many people are watching and how many players are coming from this neck of the woods? Uh, it's been interesting trying to rally everybody because uh, the way social media is working currently, not a lot of people are uh, of that demographic are on Facebook, as you would think. Uh, so we're trying to organize everyone. They all got their niches. So different games will have different groups and everyone's kind of split up. So we're trying to just bring them all in together. And it seems like there's a lot of people interested. Uh, we got quite a response when we announced we were doing it. And we're just hoping to get the word out to more and more people so that they know the event is happening. They can sign up, they can get their teams together, and then they can come down and become involved and help us build this thing. I think a lot of people, when they hear esports, they they glaze over because they just don't realize how much of an impact this. I hesitate to call it a phenomenon in a sense because it's become a real thing. Like this is something that is the viewership in and of itself is rivaling uh, some of the major sporting uh, organizations in the world right now. What do you foresee in the future of esports here? What do you see as maybe be the the what's maybe gazing to your crystal ball a little bit here well you can already see signs of it with certain games where they're starting to create leagues like with overwatch and have team bases that are very similar to that of like a pro sport like nfl or cfl or something like that where they'll have like a city will draft a team and put it into the league so things like that so i think we're going to see that a lot more they'll be like college-level esports, and there'll be, like, farm team-esque esports leagues that lead into the major leagues uh, based on the games. There might even become an entity kind of like a bigger scale of what we're doing where it's a league that handles all these different games and is national or or international for that. Of, uh, for that. So it's an- uh, I think it's just going to grow. It's insane to me to think that when you look at some of the numbers that are being floated out there, like total esports viewership expected to surpass the NFL by 2022, and already five of the top ten most popular YouTubers are are from video games. I mean, this is not a flash in the pan by any stretch of the imagination, is it? No. Um, there was over 20 million people watching the latest world championship for League of Legends all at the same time like live viewers 20 million people unreal every day 15 plus million people are on twitch watching people play video games just some fascinating numbers and i'm really intrigued to see how uh that event with telespark goes on january 15th with that first exhibition tournament uh tyler thanks so much for the time today thank you very much joe tyler wanek the co-founder of the calgary esports league Man, gaming has come a long way since NHL 95. It's Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. Thanks so much for listening to the Calgary Today podcast. You can find it on iTunes, Google Play, and tune in. When you do, don't forget to write the show and leave a comment. Until next time, my friends.